five seconds to submergence. Submergence deep into the absurd. All right, we got Thomas Hatsis. He is the psychedelic historian, and he knows a lot about, say, the history of witches and witchcraft and how that kind of came about into our, I guess, modern mythology and what we know about witches and what we know about uh, how these people were demonized through European history and they were burned alive a lot of the times um and it's really horrifying the things that they did to these witches and also um just the things that these women had to experience um because at least they were they were healers right in some in some cases yeah and they use uh at least in, at least to my belief, they were using uh, mushrooms and psychedelics to heal people and put them through these spiritual experiences. Is that correct? Um, I would say they were more using these sorts of things on themselves. Okay. Uh, more so than on other, like it, so it's, it's, it depends. There's nuance there. Um, using these kinds of plants entheogenically like belladonna henbane things like that they tended to use them on themselves for entheogenic purposes whereas when they were healing people they used them more for their medicinal purposes but i did want to say real quick in those days you can't really separate the medicinal from the magical so a medicinal experience would also be in some cases an entheogenic experience i just it was it was kind of a mixed bag so i just wanted to clarify that i think on this one podcast you were talking about entheogenic and exogenic sure what is what does the two of those mean sure so entheogen is uh from an ancient greek term enthusiasmos which means religious ecstasy we obviously we get the word enthusiasm from enthusiasm so carl ruck um the professor of classics at boston university in 1979 coined the term entheogen, meaning to generate divinity from within using some kind of plant medicine, psychedelic, we would say today. Whereas an exthegen means generating divinity from without, right? So if entheogen is generating divinity within, exthegen is generating divinity from without. These were different cases. So when I was writing my book, Psychedelic Mystery Traditions, and I was going through all these records, there were times where people seemed to work, they weren't generating divinity inside themselves. They were generating these kinds of divinities outside themselves. Uh, So different Renaissance magicians that would inhale opium to make different, you know, entities and spirits appear in the air. Well, that's extheogenic because the spirits are appearing outside of them. So I coined the word extheogen to kind of be the, the counterpart to entheogen. So would say being a Christian and going to church, is that almost an exogenic experience? Well, specifically, if you're using some kind of plant material, okay. um, that's, that's 
you know, with all of these, you know, entheogen, extheogen, whatever, uh, there is some kind of plant or fungal medicine that is, you know, involved in, in what's, what's going on. Uh, so just going to church, I would say that, yeah, that sense of presence of, oh, there's this thing here that's larger than myself, this presence, presence outside of myself. Sure. Um, I would just say that, like, if you, let's say you smoke a joint before you go to church and you're really feeling that presence, that yeah. would be extheogenic. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I guess, uh, like kind of the, if you take Buddhism, then you take Christianity, uh, with, with Christianity, God is kind of outside of the self and with Buddhism, at least to me, my experiences of, of practicing Buddhism, it feels more so that it's something inside of you. Sure. I don't know much about Buddhism, yeah. but, um, I could definitely, um, confirm that with Christianity, it absolutely is about, you know, God is here and we mere mortals are here. Yeah. Whereas with more Eastern religions, it seems like, and again, I don't know much about the Eastern tradition. So if somebody knows out there better than I do, email me and correct my ass. But um, it seems like they have more of that direct experience thing going on where it's like, they are part of the universe. They like, we are all part of this thing called God which I suppose is actually is closer to my views, you know, than yeah. a specifically Christian viewpoint. So you've also kind of delved into the history of Christianity and mm -hmm. the usage of certain uh, plant medicines in healing and spiritual and, and I guess magical experiences uh, in the beginnings of Christianity. And so like how, so what happened? How did Christianity emerge, I guess? How did Christianity emerge? Yeah, I guess in your viewpoint, like, sure. how are these medicines being used in early Christianity? Well, these kinds of medicines were used just by people all over, you know, the, the, uh, the Roman landscape, which would include the greater Palestinian area, which is where Jesus was said to have lived and had done his missionary work. Um, you could make the case, uh, and actually a good friend and colleague of mine does make the case that Jesus himself was familiar with certain plant medicines. Um, the fact that he's referred to as a rabbi over 40 times, I think it's either 41 or 42 times he's referred to, I mean, they say teacher, but they mean, you know, they mean rabbi. Um, you know, that says that Jesus was probably familiar with cannabosm which is one of the ingredients in the holy anointing oil. Now we know today that cannabosm is cannabis. So Jesus would have been familiar if he truly lived and he truly were a rabbi that understood the Torah. And there's no reason to believe he didn't. Most of his, his sayings are him, you know, correcting or adjusting, you know, the law of Moses, so to speak. Um, uh, so he was certainly, I think if he existed and was a rabbi, he was familiar with, uh, with the old Testament and he would have been familiar with cannabis or cannabis mm -hmm. on top of which in, I believe it's Matthew or Luke, uh, I apologize there. I'm slipping my mind at the moment, uh, or it might even be in both when Jesus instructs his followers to go out and heal people using these different ointments. 
Well, none of his uh, immediate disciples were physicians. So where did they learn how to use this stuff? Well, they had to have learned it from Jesus himself, who maybe had some kind of knowledge, you know, yeah. especially again, if he was a rabbi, he would be at least familiar with the different um, plants found in the Old Testament. Uh, one of them being cannabis, another being mandrake. Mandrake, we don't really talk about mandrake today. I mean, I still I have some mandrake. I still use it, but most people don't. Uh, mandrake is highly psychoactive and can be entheogenic if the right set and setting are in place. Hmm. And mandrake comes up twice in the Old Testament. It comes up in uh, Genesis uh, with the, uh, the story of Rachel and Leah, and it comes up in the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, as it's also called. Uh, on top of which, one of Jesus's specialties, uh, we know today was casting out demons. And when you look at literature from the ancient world, the most effective way of casting out demons was by using mandrake. Hmm. So uh, Josephus, who, uh, who lived, uh, just uh, he was born, I think about 10 years or so after Jesus was crucified. So roughly around the same period, he writes about mandrake and, um, uh, so yeah, um, he would have probably known about both. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question <laughs> uh, about how did uh, Christianity arise, but uh, there was seemed to be like two questions in there, like how did it arise? And yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, no, that answers my question. It was a bad question. Um, no, it wasn't. Because well, so I mean, obviously it arose from Judaism, and it. And it really arose from the oppression of Jews and Jesus yes. kind of rising up and being, quote unquote, the, the king of the Jews and like, well, the Messiah. Yeah, yeah. The Messiah that, that yeah. fights back against the Roman oppression. Right. He was the, the man who led the way. Right. Yeah. So Jesus. So it's weird because, uh, as I'm sure, you know, you know, when we look at our Bible today, uh, we're not looking at the original texts from the yes. Bible. Yes. We don't know what the original said, but uh, the interesting thing is that uh, until, um, until the Gospel of John, which is the latest gospel, uh, Jesus never claims to be like the only begotten Son of God. Yeah. Um, so I find it, I don't think that that's something that he believed in his own lifetime. I think that he saw himself as a prophet who is yeah. a, and a messiah who is going to usher in you know uh the uh the son of man and god and with the kingdom of heaven hmm. the son of man i believe was supposed to be the warrior that was going to you know cut down the uh the pagan oppressors and then the yeah. kingdom of god was going to pretty much like the, the kingdom of god was a very physical place it was a real place like we tend to think of it in like heavenly terms but when Jesus spoke of it, he spoke of it. No, this is like a real city is just going to come crashing down on Rome. <laughs> so, you know, y'all best repent because it's coming. Yeah. Um, and what, uh, so I always get this, I've always been confused about this. Um, I've kind of got an idea. Is paganism kind of just the belief in like multiple gods or what is it? So a better way to think about paganism is to just think of it in terms of polytheism. Okay. You can, to be like, you could believe in as many gods as you want or none or anything in between that number. 
Um, people changed gods all the time in polytheistic mm -hmm. religions. So uh, one example, I actually gave a student of mine a long time ago, would be like this. Let's say you and I are neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. We both live uh, right on the border of Oregon and on in uh, Idaho, right? Yeah. And we're both tomato farmers, right? Okay. And I've been worshiping Zeus because that's the way my, fa my family has always worshiped Zeus and we've had good tomatoes, right? Now, one year, my tomatoes just aren't doing so good. And I look over in your yard and I say, oh shit, Greg's tomatoes are doing great this year. So I walk over and say, Greg, what's up? How you doing, neighbor? You know, I noticed your tomatoes are doing great. You know, what's going on? And you say, oh, I've been praying to Artemis and holy shit, she is making my garden, you know, so lush and voluminous and plump and everything. And aren't these tomatoes so, you know, delicious looking? And I say, yeah. So then I start worshiping Artemis as well. And suddenly my tomatoes start doing better. And I say, oh, fuck Zeus. Maybe <laughs> Zeus is good for war, but he's not good for tomatoes. So yeah. now if I'm going to go to war, I'll be worshiping Zeus for that. If I'm going to go fishing, I'm going to worship Poseidon. But now if I want my tomatoes to grow, I'm going to be worshiping Artemis. That is how polytheism works. Right. So there's no, like, there's no jealousy. Like we, again, we tend to think of, gods the way we think of the judeo-christian god as this jealous god right you know worship no god but me as is said in i believe the first commandment right yeah i am the lord your god of blood out of slavery worship no god but right the pagan gods or gods of the polytheistic world they did not give a shit about that kind of stuff you could pick up worshiping one and then stop and hmm. nobody cared except for the state gods those always had to be worshipped. Everybody was, was supposed to worship the state gods, and that's what got the Christians in trouble. They refused to worship the state gods. They were like, no, 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 we just want to worship Jesus. And that's why Pliny, when he wrote to the Emperor Trajan in his famous letter, says they sing hymns to this Jesus man as if he were a god. Because, of course, to Pliny, he wasn't a god. He was an executed criminal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess... They didn't really have any freedom back then, as far as uh, <laughs> as far as worshiping who you wanted to worship. Well, no, you did. You like again. It was so as long as the state gods were worshipped. Yeah. You know, you could choose whatever god you wanted for your tomatoes. Mm. You know, to go back to my my <laughs> my weird analogy. You know. Yeah. It was just like the idea was that worship of the state gods held the 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 empire together and that's you know what, what they were hoping for they just they wanted you know in, in a way it's almost a residue of that we see today is like kids that have to say the pledge of allegiance in you know elementary school and high school it's yeah, kind of yeah. like that yeah it's just this way to kind of keep everybody together as best as you can that makes sense yeah you have to you have to worship the the state <laughs> Basically. Yeah, and the emperor himself was seen as a god. Mm. You know, and that's another thing we have to, you know, kind of just outline real quick. In the ancient world, um, there were gradations of divinities. It wasn't just, oh, there's gods and there's humans. There were, you know, there were also the daimonia, which were just spirits. We today get the word demon from daimonia. Um, now demons are seen as just, you know, evil entities. But back in the day... They were seen as good or bad. It you know it depended on what the magician or what the uh, person invoking the spirit wanted to do with them that made them good or bad. Uh, then you had people like uh, Hercules or uh, rather Heracles, who was born of the union of a god and a woman, 
and a human woman. Uh, same thing with Dionysus. Um, so you, you have these gradations, you know, it wasn't just gods and human, gods and mortals. There were different steps in between. Yeah, Dionysus, is he, I might be thinking of someone else. There was this philosopher that was just kind of, he kind of lived a life almost like a dog. Oh, I know. Yeah, he, that wasn't Dionysus. Okay. Um, those were the cynics. Yeah, the cynics. We, actually, we got our word cynicism from the cynics. I'm trying to think of his, I know who you're talking about, and his name is escaping me right now. Yeah, but he did some he did some crazy stuff. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like what? I don't know much like, about. I can't even remember his name. So well, he would. Uh, I don't know. I think he would just go out and he'd like literally just like rub dirt all over his body, and then he'd run out into the street naked and shout. And then people oh, would ask him, "Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this?" And then he'd say, "Oh, well, because I can." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like my typical Friday night. <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was interesting because he was one of the people who kind of uh, questioned the social norms of, of society, right? Sure. And, I, and I remember where he lived, I think, in, Gre in Greece, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because if he was a, a cynic. Yeah, the cynic philosopher, yeah. But it's interesting. And, but with Dionysus, who is he? So Dionysus was the Greek god of wine and later on the okay. Greek god of ecstasy. He's actually the reason Karl Ruck coined the word entheogen, because when people would drink these wines in the ancient world, he thought they, they believed that they were taking the God inside themselves and that their response to the alcohol, like their physiological response, was a result of having ingested the God himself. Wow. Yeah. And so when, so I know Jesus, he like turns water into wine. What's your... What's your, uh, your opinion of that as far as it goes into your realm of psychedelic history? Hmm, that's a good one. So let's say this. There are some problems with the water into wine story. First yeah. of which is that it only appears in the Gospel of John, which is our okay. latest gospel and which is the yeah. most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Super normal gospel. Okay. I mean, here, you know, Jesus is just, you know, comes out swinging with the miracles, whereas in the earlier Gospels, uh, you know, there are miracles, of course, but they're not at the, the caliber of uh, on the Gospel of John. Another problem with the Gospel of John, uh, before I get into your question, yeah. is that um, so much of the Gospel of John some, uh, was added later, like a lot of the stories were added, like some of the most famous stories were added later. Um, the most famous being Jesus and the woman taken in adultery, where we famously get the line, let the one without you, let the one among you without sin cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. That that actually wasn't originally part of the Gospel of John. And for all we know, the uh, wedding at Cana, which is where Jesus turns the water into wine, that might not have actually originally been in the Gospel, in the Gospel of John. Um, it could have been, of course. Uh, as far as what does it mean for psychedelic history, um, I, I think it's probably just a story to demonstrate, yeah. you know, that Jesus has this divinity about him. Um, I mean, it would be great if he came to my house and turned some water into wine. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's recently it's been kind of made up into like a, a big deal. Uh, a recent book called The Immortality Key kind of uh, really tried to make this connection between Jesus and Dionysus. Uh, but in my opinion, the connection isn't actually there. And uh, the author, who's actually a friend of mine and a colleague of mine, uh, who I have a lot of affection for, I do believe in this instance, he is mistaken. But he did say, let his uh, disciples drink his blood or something like that, right? Uh, so that only that only appears in the letters of Paul. And uh, in his first letter to the Corinthians, and I don't think Jesus ever said that. Huh. Um, you know, there, there are different reasons for believing that. One of which is that when Paul, and we know this from his own letters, when Paul went to go tell, because Paul met the disciples after Jesus yeah. was killed. Um, according to Paul, he said that the disciples didn't buy his rap at all that there was actually a, a schism between the two because Paul was saying, Oh, look, here's the Eucharist and his original disciples who were actually there. were like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not what happened. <laughs> so I don't think yeah. Jesus ever said that. And on top of which the idea of drinking human blood would have been abhorrent to even most Romans to say uh, nothing of the ancient Hebrews like there, there's no, like at least with the Romans, they have the legends of drinking the blood of Dionysus, which is wine, but they didn't, they knew that those were legends. They knew that they were just stories. Yeah. There is no precedent at all for Jesus to say, we, you know, this, my, my blood is like wine. When you drink, you know, this blood, you're, you know, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. Absolutely no evidence. Like I, I, would be very surprised if Jesus actually said that yeah. considering coming from an apocalyptic messianic Jewish background who mm -hmm. their sole purpose was the overthrowing of the, um, of the Roman government, uh, the Roman empire, which is always so weird. Anytime people say that Jesus is based off of like pagan archetypes, it's like, okay, who was the pagan archetype that wanted to throw over pay overthrow pagan Rome? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. it's, you know, people watch too many YouTube documentaries. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I know where, because like I heard it from probably a YouTube documentary where like uh, the Greeks, um, they would speak of this person named Jesus who uh, like, I don't know what he did. He made some tea to like heal people and send them to the kingdom of heaven or whatever. So they could see um, God and uh, what it's like in the afterlife. And I don't know if you know anything about that, but uh, wait, what is this? Yeah. I don't know. There was like this, uh, I was watching this YouTube video. I think it was, what are their, I'm trying to think of what the channel is, but it's this channel where they, they like draw a bunch of illustrations on a whiteboard and then there's this uh oh, after there. school yeah after school that's what it was and they were talking about how some of the greeks they would speak of this this guy named jesus who would he was a healer and he had like he made this like tea or something and he would give it to people so they could see the gods and they could see what it's like to die 
and then come back to life. Okay, so that that I know what you're talking about. That was made. I, I, I mentioned my friend and colleague Brian has booked the immortality key a moment ago. Yeah, that after school is based off of his book, and uh, I think that there. I actually started writing. Like, there's a whole lot of things wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's. Um, Oh, if we had it, we could watch it. I could go through the whole thing and tell you everything that's wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but but either way, it was it was an interesting video. And yeah, it's probably not based in a whole lot of... Because I mean, a lot of... When you go into that realm, there's a lot of uh, assumptions that you have to make, at least if you're trying to put together the pieces. Yeah, you know, I'm just pulling up the word document right here. Hold on. So, yeah, there were so many, pro like, uh, I was just pulling up, I, as I was watching that after school, I, um, I started writing down everything they were getting wrong. Um, so. Uh, it's a I, great YouTube channel, though. Um, I will say that. But I, 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 so I've only watched two of their videos. I watched that yeah. one and I watched one and I actually made a video of, of another video that they made yeah. uh, about the connection between Santa Claus and the Amanita Muscari. If any of your listeners are interested, if you go to YouTube, yeah. psychedelic historian, YouTube page, uh, the name of my video is, uh, the great Amanita hypothesis. Yeah. And I completely eviscerate, uh, yeah, what a, I have actually a problem with things like that after school channel. And there's another one called Today yeah. I Found Out because the research is really shallow and in some uh -huh. cases just awful. And yeah, I yeah. find that they've spread really bad ideas. Just my two cents. Yeah, well, it's not their. Uh, yeah, I mean, their like history stuff is very questionable, but they do put like some good uh, motivation stuff on there. Which is Oh, nice. OK. Um, yeah. I mean, most psychedelic history, most psychedelic history that you'll find on the internet is crap. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it just, it's not good. These people are not, they're not experts in these fields. So they really don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I, I would suggest avoiding those kinds of videos personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's, you know, that's like the biggest problem with the modern era is all the misinformation that's out there. Oh, yeah. um i guess like not only just like fake news but i mean fake history is almost even worse than fake news just in the sense that like we shouldn't if we're misinformed about what happened in the past then you know that could make you question all the other things that are out there about the past sure well i mean we should question things about the past uh yeah I we, we should be doing that. Um, mm -hmm. I think the, uh, the that it's on equal footing how horrible it is the way they distort present reality yeah. and how much they distort the past because uh, journalism is by and large a bullshit profession. Like, I don't know why anybody takes that profession seriously. I mean, it's a bunch yeah. of people that are barely literate shitting out shallow articles just so they could please their bosses who are just trying to make their corporate yeah. overlords happy. Like, that's what news media is. And like, we're supposed to take that seriously. And yeah. sadly, people do. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, just today, uh, my mom was watching The View. And then I just, 
I just listened to it for a little bit and they were trying to connect Bill Gates to Epstein or whatever after his uh, divorce with his wife and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, this is just, this is just wrong. I mean, like, you know, you're pulling apart this guy. I mean, he's already dealing with all this other stuff. And like, the only reason that you're trying to do this is so that you can get more views and make more money. And this whole industry you know the whole news journalism on tv is kind of collapsing with all the other options that there are and all and all the other outlets that there are sure but the problem is i don't find those other options or outlets to be any better than the mainstream news they're just yeah. more pretentious and like hip but it's mm-hmm. the same bullshit yeah no i agree with you um and that's kind of one of the biggest problems with today's society is that people are easily controlled these days. Right. And they're easily, uh, they're attracted to all these, uh, these stimuli, right. That's maybe it depends on where you are. Yeah. I mean, I would say that in places like Oregon, yeah, people are pretty tractable and kind of gullible and easy to, lead around by the nose yeah but i wouldn't say the same thing about texas (laughs) yeah (laughs) not at all so i wouldn't say the same thing about new york which is where i'm from i wouldn't say the same thing about most of the midwest um Mm -hmm. i think it's just certain pockets where people are just bullshit for some reason i don't know why but they just yeah yeah and it's i mean it's sad i mean being controlled by an ideal really an idea yeah um but that's how it is um but yeah i guess if we can bring this back to sure christianity and all that i mean all these people were a lot of people back then were being controlled by ideas and ideals um and i mean that's what led to the oppression of the jews and that's what led to christianity and and i want to know a little bit more about um kind of how these medicines and these entheogens were being used in ancient or I guess not ancient Europe but in Europe in the like middle ages and kind of these times right sure uh so in many different ways would be the short answer um People were using, it depends, like it had to do a lot with um, class to start off with. So people that were educated elites were using these plants for, in some ways, different reasons uh, than lower class people in that. uh, So an educated person might use mushrooms or cannabis or opium or henbane for what were called the learned arts, things like astrology, alchemy, things like that. Um, so you would have like, for example, the uh, magic book, Picatrix, which mingles a lot of astrology with this plant use. Now, when you read the depositions of women, like lower class women accused of witchcraft, astrology doesn't come up at all because astrology is, you know, that was an educated pursuit. These women were illiterate by and So um, you have going to what these women were using it for, 
again, as we mentioned earlier, they use them for healing purposes and they also used them entheogenically. And with the entheogen side of it, they were trying to, in some cases, it seems, uh, communicate, oh, excuse me, uh, communicate with fertility goddesses. Hmm. And um, slowly over time, and this is what I document in my book, The Witch's Ointment, I show how church authorities changed the essence of this folk belief, this folk practice um, of worshiping these different fertility goddesses into this idea that they were worshiping the devil. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's see what else. Oh, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like our whole idea of... Um, you know, women gathering, you know, going to Sabbaths to worship the devil and having like that big satanic party. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much what I cover in my book. And I show where the psychedelic plants fit into that equation. Yeah. Uh, they weren't the cause of that equation. This was going to happen whether people were using psychedelics or not. But uh, I do show where they did fit in to, to the overall scheme. So do you know the origin of the pentagram? The origin of the pentagram. No, I do know the origin. I think it was it Al Alphys LeVay. Was, was it in his book? That's later on because the pentagram, that's like from the 18 and 1900s. That's not oh, really. really a, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a later thing. Um, now, the pentacle goes all the way back to Aristotle but um, and his whole sacred geometry thing. But the pentagram as like one of these but turned upside down um yeah that's uh that i'm not 100 percent sure uh the idea of it being a goat comes from uh this i this uh, and I, a belief about heretics that they would worship the genitalia of a goat uh who would show up at their meetings and that goat eventually became satanized wow but uh, as far as like the popular imagery, like one of these, but again, turned upside down, I really, that I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess like that's kind of a weird realm with the like goats being sacrificed and whatnot. Because um, <laughs> you hear about like goats being sacrificed and all these TV shows about uh, like satanic people and people who worship Satan and stuff. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's oh, they weird. They never I'm... sacrificed the goat. Really? No, the goat was like. Well, I mean, the the first of all, nobody was actually worshiping the balls of a fucking goat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was just you know that was just slander that the, that uh, church authorities were saying, but nobody was actually doing that. Yeah. Um, but even in the the messed up fantasy of these church leaders they weren't sacrificing the goats they were just worshiping their you know cock and balls yeah yeah that's interesting um is there any uh how did you like come across this sort of uh this uh realm of history with like the worshiping goat balls and stuff like that <laughs> Well, I was investigating uh, the use of psychedelics in heresies, in different yeah. heresies, and just through my reading of the documents, the source materials, I was like, oh, well, isn't that interesting? Yeah. They're saying that they're worshiping goat balls. Yeah, that's interesting. What is a heresy, by the way? So heresy, um, 
comes from uh, the Greek word hierases, which just means, yeah, which means choice. Uh, heresy is the opposite of orthodoxy. So orthodox uh, is from the Greek, which means straight thinking. Hmm. Uh, heterodox is other than straight thinking. So okay. a heresy is any kind of Christian belief that doesn't jive with what the church says Christian belief should be. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's kind of like anything goes, basically. Well, not not so much anything goes, yeah. uh, but um, just holding different, uh, you know, so um, as just one example, um, there was a heresy in... Orleans in Paris, uh, excuse me, in Orleans, no, sorry, blah, losing my mind here. There was a heresy in Orleans that was stomped out in um, 1022 of the Common Era. And we're not 100% sure of all of their beliefs, but one of their beliefs was that Jesus wasn't actually buried. That's it. Now, according to Orthodox scripture, <laughs> Jesus was buried, you know, in the tomb and rose three days later. So yes. just so, say, saying something as simple as, oh, no, he wasn't buried. That's yeah. a heresy. That That is an executable offense. <laughs> like you can get yourself killed for some, something like that back yeah. in those days. And and some people did get themselves killed for saying that. Yeah. So that would be a heresy. It, d- it doesn't have to be anything major. It has to be something as simple as, oh, Jesus wasn't buried. Like, what? What the fuck? Of course he was. Kill that <laughs> motherfucker, you know. Yeah. Do you know what, what the Romans did with the the people that they executed their bodies crucified people yeah yeah so they usually did two things um which is also how we know that the story in the uh in the new testament isn't true uh the fact that jesus's body was handed back over to his followers to be buried is just there's no way that that happened yeah Um, i mean i doubt it (laughs) they uh so when you were crucified the so crucifixion the the form the point of crucifixion wasn't just to kill you yeah it was to humiliate you even after you were dead so people that were crucified weren't typically taken down off the cross they wanted buzzards and all the animals to feed on your corpse so that any of your old followers or friends or neighbors or family members if they walk by you know yeah. the uh, the execution hill and they see you and you're like one leg is hanging off here your head is barely hanging on one of your arms is missing you smell like shit because your body is decomposing that was the point of crucifixion yeah. so you weren't um and either that or if you were taken down you were fed to wild dogs Wow. Uh, it's interesting because crucifixion, crucifixion was reserved for the lowest of the low in society. Yeah. Like that's who was crucified. Um, Jesus was crucified because he was an insurgent. Hmm. And the two people that he was crucified uh, between, they were, they're called thieves in the, right? We, we, in the Bible, they're referred to as thieves. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, I'm not, I'm not. Okay, so in the Bible, they're called thieves, but um, in the Greek, they're called, uh, the word thief in Greek would be klepti. We actually get the word kleptomania from klepti, and they aren't called that. They're called, um, uh, I forget what the word is, uh, but what, uh, oh, it's, a, I'm so unprepared for you. I'm so sorry. But oh, it's, no it's the ancient Greek word that means insurgent. Uh, is it lestai? 
no it's not sorry i don't remember the word but um it was it was insurgent uh he was an insurgent and the other two guys were insurgents as well um so they were you know it was reserved for crucifixion was reserved for people essentially trying you know terrorism you know that's that's who was crucified that's got to be a terrible way to die it's awful it's absolutely i mean you you suffocate on your own body while you're still alive i mean that's what happens yeah 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 you like because like they actually like their hands actually get nailed to the cross right um so the only report we have of that is with jesus uh i don't think he was nailed to the cross i think that that was something that um uh, the later gospel writers or some of their editors wrote in just to make it seem like he got the harsher sentence, you know, uh, but there's no evidence that Romans, I mean, it would go that you're, it would be pointless. It would go right through your hand. I mean, yeah. Now you're, you're just slip right the fuck out. Yeah. So do they just get like, you were tied, tied to it. Tied yeah. To you'd it. be tied to it. And then they just stand there until they starve to death um starve to death or yeah usually what happens before that is you're you can't keep your weight like you're kind of like this and you're holding yourself up with your legs and eventually they give out and you just can't hold yourself up any longer and you just you kind of your lungs collapse and you suffocate on your own body wow awful yeah it's awful yeah (laughs) oh my god yeah Yeah. it, it it It's kind of crazy that that's that the crucifix is the symbol for Christianity. Dude, I've always said that. I'm like, yo, so if they had electricity back then, would you Christians be walking around with an electric chair around your fucking Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought that was so weird, too, that it's like, wait a minute. This is, you know, but I guess the idea is the whole thing is like even this cross couldn't kill him, but it doesn't. I'm with you. It's pretty morbid, actually. Yeah, well, I think it's also like, you know, like to remember what he suffered through sure. for, I guess. Oh, well, he suffered through this for our sins, right? But, um, which, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But it's, yeah, it was just like a horrible, like, torture death device. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty gruesome. Yeah. And so, then the aftermath was even worse like just not just dying but think of what that corpse looked like a month after the dude actually died like what yeah. kind of condition that was in. yeah it's awful yeah just like i mean i could imagine walking by that hill there's just like hundreds of corpses and crosses yeah, yeah. and they did one of I, I one of the jewish uprisings they actually they crucified like a like a hundred or so at a time it was said like jesus like just think of the yeah. smell yeah yeah the smell and like just the things i mean i could only imagine the like how crazy because they didn't have like words for ptsd anything like that back then but i could only imagine what all the soldiers and the people who um put the um i guess the victims onto the crosses how they like felt throughout their lives and like just seeing those memories come back time well, and time again. Yeah, life was a lot harsher back then. It yeah. might not have like we have PTSD these days because everything is so fucking comfortable. Yeah. That so, makes sense. You know, things were not comfortable back then and 
I mean, you you were dealing with death and dead bodies all the time. I mean, your neighbors were constantly getting ill or dying. Your family members were. Your uh, brothers were going off to war, coming back with missing arms and limbs and yeah. sometimes not coming back at all. You know, very different time and place than we have today. So it might not have been as traumatizing. Maybe it was. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't around back then. But, it'd be you know, it's that weird question. Anytime somebody asks, like, oh, if you could pick anybody in history to talk to, you know, who would you do? Anybody. Yeah. Anybody to talk to anybody from any point in history would be the most interesting conversation you would ever have in your life. Like, yeah. so like just yet. Yeah, to So to your point, Greg, to go back to the first century of the common era and speak to somebody who has witnessed a crucifixion, just, you know, not some, you know, famous philosopher or poet or emperor, yeah. just, you know, Joe Sixpack on the fucking street and say, yo, yeah. what did you think of that? It would be the most interesting conversation you would ever have. Yeah, I'd be like, well, um, I don't think much of it, man. Yeah, That's maybe they, they do might. all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like this, like for you, it would be the day that, holy shit, I saw a man be crucified to a cross, suffer and die for 10 hours straight. And for that dude, he's like, oh, yeah, it's just Wednesday. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they just lived in hell back yeah, then. Yeah, that was just one one day out of a seven-day week. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, maybe some of the things of today would be horrifying to them, but we just don't Yeah, know. like Kardashians. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Kardashians. Uh, so, uh, so I think it was yesterday, I watched like the first little bit of your newest video about like Ergot and the oh, witches. Yeah, sure. I got kind of cut off so I couldn't finish it but sure. I kind of want to know a little bit about that as far as you know why uh, I forget what the was it yeah the Salem witch trials I kind of want, want to know a little bit about that sure so what I was trying to do with that video was show um, earlier we were talking oh, well, we were, I was kind of ranting about how I think journalism is a bullshit profession yeah that's one of the things that I'm pointing out in that video is how journalists distort the truth to write a more interesting story, uh, which is um, the whole idea is that the Salem witch trials were kicked off by uh, an ergotism outbreak. Okay. Uh, and we all know ergotism as the precursor for LSD. So some people look back at the uh, you know, what happened in 1692 during the trials and, oh, people said that, you know, they were delirious and they were, you know, suffering convulsions and stuff. That sounds like LSD. And so maybe it was ergotism. And it's like, no, ergotism, ergotism kills you, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you do survive it, I mean, you're pretty much permanently crippled for the rest of your life. So that's, that's not what LSD is like at all. And um, so I was just pointing out the way that, yeah, journalists, are, are it's it's a bullshit profession we don't really need it anymore um i think that journalism actually is ruining society and uh, i mean i don't get into that in the video but i explain how it is that journalists do this and yeah. if they're getting even these basic facts wrong about the salem witch trials what are important facts today that they're also getting wrong i, I think yeah, that's yeah. my overarching uh theme of my life is is to say look they're getting all of this stuff that is so basic wrong so what yeah. are the major things are getting wrong 
yeah when like what what really happened is that i mean it was like misinformation basically um, oh yeah right yeah. and well i mean what happened was there was people who were basically because like what are the journalists uh, journalists doing they're spreading misinformation mm -hmm. and what happened at the salem witch, witch trials some people were spreading misinformation which led to them being burned right? that's a good point well they were hanged but yes or hanged sorry well, and well i mean that was some misinformation that was spread on me right <laughs> what the burn part yeah yeah that these people oh, were being burned oh right? that, that's a minor detail that like only yeah. knows, so I, don't worry about it <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, you're right. I mean, misinform misinformation uh, in the form of journalism can ruin society in the sense that it can lead to these horrific events where people are being hanged uh, for no reason at all. I mean, it is happening today with people who are innocent that are getting the death penalty, right? Sure. I mean, that's pretty rare, though. Yeah. It does happen, and, and, it, and it's a fucking travesty when it does happen. And, geez, yeah. I can't imagine what that sitting on death row would have, like, totally yeah. innocent. That's just, I, I, that, I, my heart goes out to anybody that's ever suffered through that. That's just yeah. awful. Awful. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't, the good news is that that's, that happens the least amount of time. Yeah, or it's, at least we would hope. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's not... Getting somebody the death, but it's very difficult yeah. to um, to win a death penalty case as a prosecutor because you have to show intent. Uh, yeah. You know, you have to show premeditation. And that's really hard to show that this person yeah. was thinking about this, doing this before they did it, you know, mm -hmm. because how do you get inside someone's head? You know, so yeah. it's pretty difficult. Mm. And then on the other side of it, there were all those people that did commit some atrocious crime, like, you know, rapists that walk yeah. all the time. And it's like, well, they should be sitting in prison, not on death row, but they should be sitting in prison. And a lot of them aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, often I've questioned whether getting the death penalty or spending your life in prison is worse. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, for me, it would be spending like, I would just. It, yeah. God forbid I'm ever in this situation, I would rather <laughs> just take the death penalty and be done with it. I couldn't do yeah. life in prison. Yeah, that'd be that horrible. to me would be far more like if you wanted to torture me, do that. If you wanted to do me a favor, just give me the death penalty. Hmm. So do you know any like um, as far as misinformation about witches and like stuff like that? Do you know anything else about that? Oh, there's tons of misinformation about witches. Um, yeah, like what is a witch, anyways? Well, so that's one of those things. It depends on who you ask. Yeah. If you were to ask a theologian living in Germany in the 1400s, that theologian would probably say a witch is a woman, usually a woman, sometimes a man, but normally a woman who worships the devil, uh, raises storms to destroy crops. Uh, spreads illness and diseases and things, uh, you know, across the population. And is generally, you know, speaking, a very unpleasant person to want to be around. Yeah. Um, today, that's not really what people don't think of witches that way. You know, so it's like, again, it depends, like, where, like, what is a witch? It's, I couldn't 
I don't know. <laughs> There's too many different answers to that, depending on who's asking, you know, the perspective of the person asking and answering the question. Because it's an idea, you know, a yeah, witch yeah. is a concept. So different people have different conceptualizations of what this thing is. Uh, there's definitely a lot of misinformation about them, um, what they were doing, and uh, like this idea that they were meeting in covens, like the idea of like, today we have witches covens, right? That's a pretty modern idea, like medieval witches were not meeting up in covens to like sing and chant, they weren't doing that, or at least there's no evidence for that. So, but there were like, quote unquote, witches in times when they were when there was uh, a lot of paganism? Well, pagans were, were pretty harsh towards witches as well. We tend to have, okay, so here's a little bit of uh, misinformation for, for the modern yeah. day. We tend to believe that pagan Rome was tolerant of magic and witchcraft and all that. And then when the Christians came along, they're like, no, fuck this, we can't have it. That's not true at all. The pagan, pagan Rome was actually far more uh, strict against magic and witchcraft than when the Christians first came into power, because the Christians gave you the option of converting uh, and not, you know, practicing magic anymore, yeah. whereas the Romans just executed you. So even though the Christians had a more, it was, it's certainly a bigoted option, hey, join us or die, it's still an option, whereas the Romans didn't give you the option at all, they just killed you. Because mm. yeah, uh, Rome was fucking harsh, dude. Yeah, yeah. Because you had to worship their pagan gods, or you were killed. Well, yeah, that was one part of it. But I just mean like how society worked was just—it was a pretty harsh time to be alive, time and place. Yeah, I mean that kind of goes back to like the crucifixions. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, who would have thought? Like, hmm. Why don't we take two? big pieces of lumber put them into a big t and hang someone on it until they suffocate on their own body like who the fuck yeah. <laughs> like how sick are you <laughs> even like I, I have never in my entire life thought of the best way to execute somebody yeah. it's just not something that pops into my head you know like, yeah hey hold on a sorry about that no worries I thought I had a glass of water uh, in the other room, but I didn't. So I got up for a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. But uh, um, so where were we? Uh, oh, thinking about the best ways to execute somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all. I mean, there's a lot of problems, at least today, with uh, people jumping to conclusions and people having all these intrinsic biases and i think that um was i mean the main issue of why the romans were crucifying people daily right i don't and, know that it was daily but yeah or just however often they were crucifying people and letting them suffocate on their own lungs yeah yeah i mean it's just it's horrible yeah. but but as far as yeah i'm kind of to be honest, I'm kind of losing my train of, train of thought. But oh, all good. It's there. Yeah. Just cause, well, yeah, like my <laughs> I, well, I'm kind of in a bad uh, spot right now because I, I was I actually just moved out of my apartment in Moscow. 
Um, I'll be driving through there tomorrow to move all my stuff down to Boise. But good shit, man. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I'll be oh, yeah. getting a new job and everything, but yeah, man. And you're you're young, moving to an awesome city, Boise. I mean, I don't know much about it. I, I had a good time when I was there. People were really chill. Um, so when did you go there? Oh, this was years ago. Um, 2013 or so somewhere oh, around a long there. time ago yeah it was a while ago uh but it had a really great night people were really chill um ran a fun clinic for a roller derby oh really then I, yeah then i drove from there to cheyenne wyoming which was interesting place to say the least I'm from New York, so I'm not really used to that kind of landscape at all. Yeah. Are you from so, the city? What's that? Are you from New York City? or? No, I'm not from Manhattan. I'm from uh, uh, Nassau County, Long Island. Okay. But still a very different place from uh, from Wyoming. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, I've, I've been to New York City once. It was um, just extremely crowded. Yeah. And, yeah, it was just like kind of a totally different experience at least from because I went there I think in eighth grade and you know I lived in Coeur d'Alene my whole life which is a pretty small town or at least it was in eighth grade and going from there from here to there was a really weird experience kind of just like something I've never seen before in my entire life yeah I, I had the opposite <laughs> going to Wyoming yeah and Idaho, for that matter, although that that desert area that's on the border between our two states is gorgeous. Yeah, no, I know where you're talking about. Yeah. Um, what the hell's up with that? It's like I've never I didn't even know that a landscape like that existed like anywhere. That was just it's beautiful. Is that the Badlands? I don't know what it's called. It's it's, you know, the Western end of idaho and the eastern end of oregon are just you know where the two kind of crash into each other yeah it's just really sweet um <laughs> idaho that was uh, napoleon dynamite was filmed in idaho right yeah <laughs> in preston yeah. Idaho, right yeah yeah preston idaho i've never been there before are you but... anywhere near there or no 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 that's uh that's actually a, a pretty close to Boise I think it's like it's like three hours southeast of Boise really yeah it's it's right on the border of of Idaho and Utah oh I'm gonna have to check that out the next time I'm driving through I I like I'm, I'm obsessed with small towns because like again yeah. I, I don't come from one yeah. so I'm absolutely obsessed with them I love going like Anytime I'm on tour, I stop in a small town and just go have a beer at a bar and yeah. just to be like, like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's interesting. Like I, I love small towns. Like I don't ever want to live in one, but I'm fascinated by them. It's weird. So when you say on tour, do you go on tour like with your book? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm like on book tour. So how does that work? Do you just go to different bookstores and like read it or? Um, it depends. Uh, I don't, I don't do like reading tours. Um, like I'll talk about the book and I'll do Q and A and like, normally what I'll do is I'll pick a topic from the book and I'll make like a speech out of that. And then, but yeah, I do it in bookstores or in, um, libraries. I've done it in bars, small clubs. Um, 
OTO lodges, um, really anywhere, any, any place that'll have me, I'll go. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, cause you know, I like to write a lot. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's one of my like main hobbies, at least like writing philosophy and writing fiction and things like that. Nice. Um, so I've always wanted to get into doing that, like, and possibly going on tours like that. I just wasn't sure how it worked, but. Uh, you pretty much, it's, it's a lot of planning. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of calling up different places in different states that have never heard of you and saying, Hey, could I come and give a talk? Yeah. <laughs> and then they say yes, but the day that works out for you doesn't work out for them. So then you have to switch to other dates that you already had set up so that you could move this date. It's a, it's a pain. It's like this weird puzzle that you put together, but uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of driving, um, mm. but I like being on the open road. So, yeah. But yeah. you're doing a lot. I mean, the thing that you're doing is that you're um, kind of unveiling a lot of the misinformation that there is about these substances and you're telling people how they've been used throughout history and what's been happening and also clearing up a lot of um, uh, your you're telling people about their history as far as like European history and how these have been used in all these spiritual experiences and all these ritualistic experiences and what's going on. And it's something really special that you're doing. Oh, thank you. I mean, I got a lot of heat for doing it, but uh, you know, every now and then someone will show some appreciation. So I, I'm always grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, I... People like their bullshit. I mean, that's yeah, one of the things. I mean, we we love our bullshit. Or as a, I don't know if you know the uh, comedian Jim Gaffigan. I don't. Oh, uh, he just has this whole thing where, like, you know, it's all McDonald's. Even people that don't eat McDonald's, they have their version of what their McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> and he just means like whatever your bullshit, the thing that sugary, greasy bullshit that you love. It doesn't have to be a hamburger, but it's still McDonald's. Yeah, no, uh, no, I agree. And that's, I mean, especially with the pharmaceutical industry right now, I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's like a huge, like bullshit thing that people are consuming daily. Um, as far as like, like all the, well, it, it's crazy that on just main television that it's legal to advertise pharmaceutical drugs to people. Yeah, why is that weird? Well, I just find it, well, because like all these, like they aren't good for you, <laughs> right? Well, so some I mean, of them are. And some of yeah. them, I mean, somebody, you know, suffering, you know, going through um, uh, uh, like radiation therapy or something yeah. like that, like and taking some kind of pharmaceutical that stops them from getting nauseous. I think that that's pretty good. I would agree with you with like a lot of the mental health stuff where yes like, yeah that's where that's where better. i kind of stand the line right sure yeah and and not to say that look I, i'm i'm certainly not defending the pharmaceutical industry yeah. so let me just be clear about that i just i um i try not to think of these things in absolutes because there is a lot of nuance with uh so much of it but um you know look uh, 
aspirin is a pharmaceutical and holy yeah. shit when i had a little too much to drink the night <laughs> yeah. before i love that aspirin exists and i'm saying yeah, yes pharmaceutical overlords thank you for the aspirin yeah no so, i agree with you you know it's uh, it depends but i these things can absolutely be taken yeah. to the extreme and uh, especially yeah. um with a lot of this stuff where mushrooms which are not dangerous for you at all yeah. um can be used medicinally instead of pharmaceuticals that are actually dangerous for you. So we're, we're definitely de cordo there. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good that, uh, that Oregon is kind of one of the few States that have like legalized mushrooms for therapeutic practices where therapists, well, what? That's a, I, I know where you're going. Can I just clear something up real quick? Yeah, yeah, clear it up, please, please. It's not the state of Oregon; it's the city of Portland. I actually, my really? partner and I worked. Yeah, we worked on both the legalization campaign and the decriminalization campaign. Wow. So just a the quick difference in the city of Portland, you can. Uh, it's still two years away, and right now they're building the the infrastructure of it. That's what these next two years are going to be. Um what it is is yeah you're going to be able to get legal psilocybin therapy in the city of portland however in the entire state we have decriminalized all substances so i think it's now if you get caught with like you know lsd or mushrooms it's like a class c misdemeanor which is i think it's like a 50 dollar fine which i want to say is still bullshit yeah. it should not be a class c anything there should be no fine whatsoever yeah. uh, I, I have this thing where I believe that people have the Gaia given or evolution given or God given or Yahweh given or however you want to say it. We have a natural right to control our own cognition and our own souls. Yeah. And, and our bodies. Yeah. And our body. Exactly. And our bodies is the same reason that I, I side with women that, that are pro-choice and have want the right to choose. Exactly. It's yeah. your body. So, um, I don't care what any law says Yeah, about this stuff. And I don't want to get you in trouble with your job. So maybe I'll stop there, but uh, <laughs> uh, no worries. That, uh, that's not something I get in trouble over. It's like, I'm in the camp where, you should be able to do whatever you want with your body. Yeah. Uh, just don't like, hurt anybody else. Yeah. Just don't hurt anyone else. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of how it is with like, like any laws for me. I mean, if you're not harming anyone else, then I don't care what you do. Well, that's, that's the whole rhetorical thing that I, I was talking to when I was in New York uh, a few years ago, I was at a buddy of mine's house and, um, some dude who I knew grow, growing up, but he was like an ancillary person, you know, to my group of friends. Uh, he ended up becoming a cop. Yeah. And we were at this, my, my buddy's house, and he was kind of saying something along the lines of, yeah, you know, like, it's still a crime, blah, 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 to smoke cannabis. And I'm like, so if I were to start smoking a bowl right now, you would arrest me? He's like, well, no, because I'm not on duty. But if I were, yeah, I'm like, well, why? What crime am I committing? He said, you're smoking cannabis. I said, no, 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 no. What's the crime? Who's getting hurt by this? <laughs> yeah. And he said, you're smoking cannabis. That's the crime. I'm like, so it's just, you're, you're begging the question. You're just saying that like this thing in and of itself is this dangerous thing that 
has never killed anyone. Nobody died. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But it was just yeah. like, it was just circular logic or circular mm -hmm. illogic, I should say. It's like, what makes this illegal? It's a crime. Well, why is it a crime? Because it's illegal. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, who is getting hurt here? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, most things are just a crime because they're a crime. So it's like, well, some it, things, like, yeah, I, I get why rape is a crime. I get where murder is a crime, thievery. Yeah. Like, I get why all of those things are crimes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like even some things that like like with helmet laws. Yeah. Don't wear a, like if you're on your motorcycle, you don't wear don't wear a helmet. I don't care. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would, I would personally wear a helmet because I don't want to crack my skull open. Yeah. God forbid the worst should happen. But if you don't want to, why should anybody make you? Yeah, I don't exactly. think they should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, if you, because you have a right to risk your own life if you want. Yes, to, right? exactly. If you want to do something, you want to win a Darwin Award, go mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> like, no, but I, it's, it's ridiculous though. It's like, yeah. you shouldn't. Thing crime things should be crime if it is um you know a harm against another person yeah or animal or the earth for that matter those things should be crimes anything you want to do to yourself i don't care yeah like because when you go into the realm of like texting and driving well then you're risking someone else's life right? exactly exactly now you're risking somebody else's life if you want to drive off a cliff because you're too busy on your phone you fucking have at it but don't kill <laughs> don't hit some kid yeah. you know walking home from her friend's house like because then you're yeah. like it's like do you really want that to be your story yeah. like is that how you want to be remembered some person that was texting and you killed somebody because of it yeah that would suck yeah well um i think that's a good place to leave it off oh okay sure i I appreciate having you on and that was that was interesting and I want you to keep doing what you're doing. Well, thanks, Greg. I want you to do the same thing. Have a blast in Boise. Uh, good luck with the new job. And uh, yeah, man, dude, like you're, you have the whole goddamn world ahead of you right now. Yeah. Seize <laughs> that shit. Seriously. I will. Because when people that are my age now, they didn't seize it. They're miserable. I did. So I'm fucking... Yeah. You know, did I get everything in life that I wanted out of it? Nope. But did I fucking take it by the balls? Hell yeah. Do yeah. that. Do that. Don't look back on regret because that's the worst thing. Yeah. Take it by the balls, Thomas Hatzis. <laughs> right. Thank you for listening.